Hello, this is Michelle Weston with Wellness Learning Curves 2.0, talk radio for women. Great to have you this week. I have, as usual, a very special guest for you, and I have Dee, Donna. Hello. Donna Holstein-Vanderlog. Do not ask me why she has three last names, but she can hold their, those names herself. She is one of my favorite people, and she is a coach like me in the area of coaching people. I think she coaches not as much health as I do health and wellness, but she coaches leadership. She coaches a lot of things. We can talk about that. But she also has become a mentor for me, and we both are involved with the Institute of Coaching, which is a Harvard University affiliate that they started a number of years ago, because there's nothing better than having a bunch of coaches around the world get together and huddle, as they talk about when we've been doing during um, uh, a lot of meetings during the pandemic over these many years, because we can share a lot of things and grow and become better coaches. And since I'm relatively new in the past decade, there are people in there who've been doing it for 25, 30 years, and they're very powerful. And there's nothing better than to learn from the best. So I asked Dee, because I call her Dee, mm-hmm. um, who is in Calgary, in Canada, above us. And um, yes, this show does get to Canada and Europe. So I love that because she's become a mentor for me. Honestly, we both come from the theater. We undergraduate was all about theater for us. Um, We are definitely larger than life and that has nothing to do with our size. It has to do with our personalities and how we approach things. And I said to her the other day when we're talking, don't you think mentoring and coaching, mentoring and coaching have something in the same vein? So I wanted to talk about that because as a health and wellness coach, I can become a mentor at times when I'm working with people and change my hat. She can do that when she's working. She's also a professor. She teaches, well, how would I say it, D? Business communications? No, I just teach communication. I Communication teach flat out. Speak to each other under all kinds of circumstances and conditions. That's okay. what I do. And yeah. that, that is important. Communication is really important, guys, because it doesn't <laughs> matter, right? It doesn't matter if you're going to be standing in front of doing a TEDx um, mm-hmm. or talking to a big group of doctors about, you know, working with patients and the best way to work with patients and how we can get better compliance from patients and so forth. It, communication is the way that we all connect through words and through what we share in our minds and our thoughts. So how do you see mentoring and coaching aligning? Well, uh, the best mentors have coaching in their toolkit, whether they recognize it or not, that remains to be seen. But to me, a mentor is somebody who has in some way, shape or form walked that path or a similar path to you before you. And they are willing to walk with you on your path for however long that might be necessary or desired. Um, Coaching doesn't have to have that similarity. You don't have to have walked 
a path that even remotely resembled each other to employ all the kinds of strategies and techniques and mindsets and um, just ways of being that coaches bring to the table. So sure, while I can talk to somebody about preparing for a TED Talk from a mentoring standpoint, I can also work with somebody who is working on, say, a physician who is working on their patient communication skills. I'm not a physician. I'm not in the, the room doing that kind of work, yet I can still coach that person to help them figure out who they want to be in that space, how they want to be authentic, um, how they want to, um, what they want to share, how they want to share it, vulnerability, trust, all of those sorts of things. So that's just really like bird's eye view what I think about when I think about those two concepts. Uh, it, it is, and, and they do, they align, they run on the same train tracks next to each other. And I sure. think, yeah, and, you know, mentors, you know, there are moments where I will work, especially when I'm working with, um, yeah, I would say, because I work with chronic conditions, but when I'm working with somebody in regards to medical weight management, sure. obesity, which is a subject that I'm an expert and the audience in, I, you know, battled that for many years as an adult, not as a child. So I don't see it in some eyes, you know, struggling through it as a kid and being called fat or anything like that. But as an adult, I struggled with it and I made the choice to do what I did medically um, to do bariatrics because I had MS and I made that choice to take that on. Um, I did it it'll be 15 years in September. And that is a maintenance stage that I am in now. And I am grateful for the bariatric teams that I have. And I continue to go to meetings um, online with other people who are either coming up and having surgery or have had it. Because the more that we connect with each other, um, we mentor each other. We genuinely mentor each other because you need someone who's ahead of you a bit to say, oh, did you consider this while you're struggling with this? And we can support each other in that. When I work with somebody who is learning tools and strategies, um, I love it when they have their aha moments and they get it. They just get it. And that makes me, it makes me happy. It makes me smile and, and know that I'm coaching them well and they have got it. They got it. Not me. They got it. They have that aha moment. And in mentoring, it feels like that at times when people really have that moment where they go, oh, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. What do you think of that? Um, I well, I agree. First and foremost, what what came to mind when you were talking was, you know, as a a mentor, I've spent a lot of time coaching people, and then our relationship changes, right? The coaching relationship changes, and and almost always they become friends. That you know, twenty thirty years later, I get a phone call or I get you know nowadays a text. Um, saying, Hey, guess what? I just accomplished this. And which is amazing. I mean, I mean you feel so it's like you just smile from oh, ear to ear, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Because I look at it and I know that 
all those years ago when we were in our coaching relationship, this was a dream. Mm. And so, or something they thought they could never do, or a possibility that was beyond even their imagination at that time. And now all of these years later, um, the culmination is that moment where they can say, and they come back to me. That's the thing that's so magical is that when they have this moment, it's me. They, I'm one of the people they come back and tell, right? And so that's when I know our relationship has has moved more to the mentoring from the coaching. Um, even though we may not have had an extended mentoring relationship, I still exist in their sort of worldview there as a person who can be turned to and talked with and consulted with for those moments in time where they really shine. Um, and it, nothing makes me happier. So I've done this, I've done this for 30 years. And it's like, I tell people I'm a junkie. (laughs) I try to leave and I don't, I don't get away for like four months before I'm dragged back in every single time. And my family and friends laugh at me because I'll say, oh, I'm, I'm going to change. I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. And they'll go, uh-huh, sure you are. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. You know, mentoring for me, that was interesting when I actually started uh, Mode Magazine. And, you know, even at Mademoiselle and Vanity Fair and and and, uh, and InStyle when I worked there, um, I always said to the people that I hired when I was this fashion style director, when I would hire someone, I always hired people in my department for fashion because of their eye, because of their gut look, their gut understanding of themselves that led to their choices in fashion. Because sure. when you're definitely a size 12 and up, if you have a point of view, um, that's more than a lot of people do because it, it's it's sure. more difficult to shop when you're bigger. There weren't so many choices in 1996 when mode started. But what was really interesting about that was I would say I remember hiring Nicole, meeting her at a event for Benetton at that time. And oh. I, I, I right, Benetton of all places. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at her from across the room. She was just this striking African-American woman with such poise and such grace, just beautiful. And I watched her across, you know, the floor, at, you know, at the store. And I went over to her. I did not know her at all. And I went over to her and I introduced myself and gave her uh, my card. And I said, I am, we're starting a magazine and I'm looking for editors. And she sort of looked at me like, I'm not an, I don't, I'm not an editor. I said, oh, I don't need you to be an editor. I can teach you that. I need you to have a point of view. Mm -hmm. And that was mentoring because when she came on and we started the magazine, I said to her, you know, she's like, I don't know. I said, I can teach you all this stuff. Being an editor, I can teach you how to do that. Getting clothes through, pushing, all that stuff. I need you to, in, in like, in your soul, want to make a difference and understand it takes a village, as we've talked about. Um, mm-hmm. And she knew it. And she had actually gone to school at Brown University and was go- was actually an EMT. Okay. Yeah. So, like, really, like, what the heck was that, right? Mm-hmm. And I just loved her point of view. And I remember when she started the magazine, I said to her, I want you to want my job. You just can't have it now. 
Right. Because a good mentor should want that. I want you to keep rising above it. I can coach you, which is what I did to what she needed to, to learn. And she became a much better editor than I was. She was a much better writer for fashion stories. So I had an amazing team of people. Do you know that all three people on my team at Mode became style directors or fashion directors for magazines? Hmm. All three. Well, that that says something about you, doesn't it? It does. And I and <laughs> and it means I mentored them well. It means that I does. coached them well. I gave them the freedom to figure out what they needed to do and how to do it. Those were, you know, those there's certain things you just have to learn to do. So then you do them. But it makes me smile. Was I tough at times? Yeah, but that was my job. You know, when I said, no, this isn't right. It, it wasn't right. It wasn't like you did a wrong thing. It just wasn't right for that moment, for that shoot. But I am grateful that I had, I had, a, you know, it's still less now, which is a good thing. I had a big ego and I knew I was good <laughs> at it. Well, you know, you have to be to take oh. on that and found a magazine. You're like, really? I- Given what I do, yeah, there's ego. But now, but now, today, decades later, my ego is much more diminished in how it appears out in the world because I understand what that means. You know, having when people say, "Oh, she has an ego," so I've learned how to rein that in. But if I had to look back at mentoring, that was really my beginning of doing that in the way that made a difference in the world, that they made a difference for Latina magazine, for Essence magazine, that they went on and changed the face of magazines because of what they learned in expanding. You know, we worked for straight size magazines, for Cosmo, for, 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 for Glamour, for, and they went on and worked at the magazines they did and, and became the fashion style directors. And they expanded the vision for those magazines and that those audiences. And that means the world to me. Uh, why, why um, we look today in, in, you know, and at what people can and can't wear. We have less can'ts. We have more cans. I can wear that. I can find it. And that makes me happy. But even with, formally learning coaching and getting a master's in coaching, I switched and I started before saying about, you know, having bariatric surgery. I did that for my health. Mm -hmm. Um, I never expected when I work with women size 12 and up for them to want to aim to be thinner. That wasn't my goal. I wanted them to be the best of them. I wanted them Mm -hmm. to celebrate them and, um, Now, when I talk to women, because I've had chronic conditions, what I do ask is, how is your A1C? How is your health? How is your blood sugar? How have you found physical activity that you can do that makes, you know, that that supports your health, that helps your bones and and helps your muscles? Because we all need that, right? And I have a friend who's like a size 18, 20. She's been that for 50 years. And she is healthier than I will ever be. I mean, she's, <laughs> you know, she's done Ironman, you know, things and she is a big girl. 
but she's healthy. So that today is my goal when I work with people. I want them to be coached to find their best for them. You know? Oh, I do know because what you're saying, it's funny because I hear you saying all of these things. And in my mind, I'm matching them up with Mm. my version of the exact same thing. Right. Okay. So, for instance, with the being their best self, regardless of size, I come from a place where there's a lot of potential baggage around how you speak, where you speak, how you look, all of those sorts of things. And there's the old British elocution oratory model. And people carry that with them thinking, oh, well, I have to stand like this and I have to speak like this or I'm not going to be considered to be blah, 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 right? <laughs> um, and none of that actually matters. In fact, if somebody comes to me and says, I want to speak like that, I will say, I am not the right person for you. Can I teach you to do that? Coach you to do that? Oh, God, yes. Yes, I can. But I won't because that's not who you are. Mm. And my job is to help you figure out um, how to be your absolutely most authentic self when you're communicating. Yes, if your articulation is trash. We'll work on that. If you're too loud, too quiet, too fast, too slow, too monotone. Yes, we'll work on all of that, but not in a prescriptive way, not in a this is the proper way to do it. It's a matter of who are you? What's your story? What do you want to share with other people? Because that's the superpower I try to pass on is that through our time together, you will become a powerful speaker who knows what they want to say and isn't afraid to say what needs to be said when and how it needs to be said. And that's not to say being, you know, aggressive or abrasive or any of those things, although there's a time and a place for some of those things. Um, It's a matter of saying who, when you are your very best self, when you are free of all of those those stories, those narratives, those uh, insecurities that, you know, your little grade one teacher was like, you're a terrible speaker, sit down, you know, to heck with all of that sort of thing. Who are you now? Who do you want to be? What do you want to say to the world? That's my job, right? And I'm not going to say your pitch needs to be higher, your pitch needs to be lower, drives me nuts. Women come to me and say, I want to lower my pitch so people will take me more seriously. And it's like <laughs> nails on a chalkboard to me. Oh, no. So, so in any event, and I understand exactly where they're coming from and, and why they might have that wish. But again, that's a hard no. Um, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. And, and like I said, I, I see those so many similarities. We're passionate about the same outcome. Yeah. We just have different gifts we bring to the table uh to help people along different paths right yeah um so anyways i just wanted to share that because i was i was thinking that the whole time we were talking no and it's it but that's why you know like breeds like we we get along very well because we have those those same um thoughts and you know i don't want to change you i want you to be the best of you that's right you know right and that's what we're looking for so even with health and wellness coaching someone advocating for someone I want you to be the best of you I want you to understand that making lifestyle changes and behavior shifts 
changes will help you be a better patient for and working with your doctors because you will be in charge of your body. It's your body. Sure. You know? The doctor helps okay. you with medicine and keeps you at bay, holds you in the position. That's what we want. When somebody has a chronic condition, can we cure everything? No, we can't. You know, we're working on cancer. MS doesn't have a cause yet. We can't get a cure for it. Um, oh, I know what I wanted to tell you, which was really fun on the same line. I was interviewing. <laughs> no, this is, you'll appreciate this. I interviewed the naturopath and the director of social work for the IMSMP, the, the um, International MS uh, Management Practice and here in New York. And what was interesting was that the naturopath said she had a patient that came in and he said he felt his job was to meet the cure halfway. So his job what isn't that? Um, I loved that. My job is to meet the cure halfway. That means you take ownership of your body, make well, your right. lifestyle shifts and your behavior changes because they are things in your control. Okay. Right. Coaching someone and advocating for someone, what's in your control? Can you advocate clearer and better for yourself? Because this is your body. Nobody's going to advocate for you like you will. It's your body. Yes, you no. can hire, right? You can hire a patient advocate when you're stuck, when you need help with insurance, when you need help um, going to appointments, especially at the beginning when you're getting a diagnosis. Because I think when people get a diagnosis, it's good to have someone with you or else you are recording it. Honestly, take and turn on your recorder. Oh, it's so overwhelming. It's, it's so overwhelming. overwhelming. Thank you. That's exactly the word I was thinking. It is overwhelming. So if you had someone sitting behind you who is your patient advocate, who is taking notes, then transcribe those notes and send them to you after the appointment. After the first two sentences, I don't think a patient hears. I don't. I think no. that they are so like caught in a whirlwind of what's been handed to them. How could you hear? How, how could you? So patient advocates, why did I, why do I do that for certain cases? Because I feel that I've been advocating for 22 years for myself for MS. Um, it's exhausting. It's not, it is. It's, it's exhausting. I would have loved to have had help. I, I didn't know about this. I, <laughs> Amen. I didn't know. Especially, yeah. you know where I really would have liked help for patient advocacy? Mm. For um, disability. I mm. sucked because I'm someone who tells the truth. I don't like to give you the negative. <laughs> so me filling out those papers, me sharing like the horrible things that happen when you have incontinence, when you can't write, when your eye goes fractionate. I don't remember those things. I choose to live in the now. I choose to live in the positive as opposed to the negative. And when I had to go in front of a judge, I sucked because I talk about, I had my service dog with me and this judge wrote that I had a dog that I walked five times a day. So I was fine. I could go back to work part-time. Yeah. yeah. Well, when I that's... just said to this judge, I'm in graduate classes and I'm failing because I have executive functioning um, skill 
losses that I never had before. And I can't do certain things because of the MS. He didn't hear that. He heard, I'm back in graduate school. Not that I'm failing, right? So if I had a patient advocate with me who talked to me about what this process is, it would have been immeasurable. It It would have been so helpful. Helpful in insurance. How do you figure out, you know, how do you handle insurance issues? When, you know, here in New York, we have something called the, um, it's the patient um, forgiveness. Um, mm, yeah. And if you get a bill that you never expected that was supposed to be paid, you send it to Albany. You send it to Albany, New York, and they look at this case because if it's a surprise, it's called a surprise bill, they're going to look at this. It's not fair to do that to people. So, those are jobs that really help people. But in the end, D, I really want people to become their own advocate. Well, and can I just say, can I just add one thing? Please. Um, one of the things that I've run into, so I too have a, uh, a chronic illness slash disability that I found out about the hard way, like most of us do, <laughs> um, you know, about mm, 17 years ago. And um while I am perfectly able, thanks to my skill set, to advocate for myself and be heard. Yes. Oh, believe me, I am heard. Thank um, God. Thank God you two of two of us come from the theater, so we're quite yeah. loud and quite clear. Oh, oh yes. There have been times where I'm like, would you like me to make a PowerPoint for you? And <laughs> I love it. I love it. They don't take that quite as kindly as one might hope they would, but that doesn't matter. That's no, it's okay. Point. Who cares? Who cares? It's beside the point. But you know, when you're talking about when you first get the diagnosis and and having a patient advocate there to kind of be your um, be your brain, frankly, in that moment when your brain stops because your world is stopping, um, I hear a lot of people say, "Well, I'll just take a family member with me." Uh well, Not yes the same. and no. Yes and no. Uh, so the third party. So what I want to say because I've had experience on the flip side of this. Okay. Um. So rarely does somebody have within their family or friend circle somebody who can relatively unemotionally step into that space and serve that function. An actual third-party patient advocate is there for you and is not wrapped up in your life story in the same way that somebody else is. Right. True, Somebody true. that's so I've I've been I've been mistaken for a patient advocate on more than one occasion <laughs> uh, when I've been in with um, elderly family members mm. and the um, the attending physician doesn't realize I'm family. And so I will go in and I will ask all the questions and I write all the notes and then they'll say, are you a physician? I'm like, no, I'm a doctor, but not the fun kind that can prescribe things. I'm just the <laughs> other kind. And then it's like, why are you here? Well, I'm family, but it's so rare. I'm mm. a unicorn and I don't want people to to hear your message and think, oh, well, I'll just get a family or, or a friend. Rarely can you do that. It's It's so much, frankly, it's so much healthier for everybody involved to have somebody who can act on your best behalf without getting caught up. Yes. In everything. So Very I just so. wanted to I just wanted to say that because we haven't gone in that direction, but I think it needs being said at this moment. I think it's important. You know, I don't think I could 
sit with like I did with my mother when we went to a speech pathologist um, when she was struggling with her MG and and speaking and breathing so that she could catch her breath to work. if I didn't have the patient advocacy skills I had because I really sure. sat back I mean I told them who I was but I literally sat back wrote notes and let them go on if I thought what we're also there is to sometimes prod and say you know Miss Smith do you want to mention blah 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 because sometimes people forget, you know, Absolutely. And, and that's what we're also there for is to prod and make sure we're also there yeah. to make sure when, you know, that, that look of confusion that people get. And then the doctor says, you know, this is what I need you to do. Um, I need you to be compliant over the next six months with this. And the patient shakes their head. Yes. And, you and there's know, nobody home. <laughs> and they're like, their eyes get really big and they really mean to shake their head. No, I do not understand. Right. I will stop. I will stop the doctor and I will say, Dr. Jones, Miss Smith, I don't think is clear enough on what you are asking her to do. And I know she really wants to be compliant over the next six months to um, make this work. Could you reframe this? Yeah. And I will sometimes doctors get mad. I'm a doctor's daughter. So, you can, you know, I know why they get mad. I know why they get mad. Get over yourself. I, I need you to help the patient for you because what you're asking them to do will help them. And that's right. Right. And in coaching, you know, that's a little different. So I have to, I have to always remember, and you do too. I know you that we're mm-hmm. wearing different, we're wearing different hats at moments. And sometimes that's I right. literally, I've been taught when I took bioethics, make sure you state I'm putting on this hat. Mm-hmm. And in the ethics, because both fields have ethics, we are board certified. Oh, yes. Board certified for what I do. And um, in coaching, I may not suggest to you. Nope. But I can suggest to you in patient advocacy. That's right. So I have and that to, make- to me is a that's a big difference between mentoring and coaching, too. Thank you. Is it, yeah. So then it like in coaching. I will just ask you questions and not leading questions, not closed ended questions, yeah. questions that probe and push your thinking and ask you to consider different perspectives, but not because I have an agenda. Oh, very important. Right. Very good word. We don't have an agenda. We're not to have no. an agenda. We're taught not no. to have one. We're there right. to ask you powerful questions. It's called That's motivational right. interviewing. So yep. we motivate you because what I've learned, the best thing I, I think I loved as, as a concept from coaching was our clients, our my patients have the answers in their Absolutely head. They, they just do. don't, they just haven't, um, they haven't uh, opened that door yet. And if we can help you with powerful questions and motivate you to think a little out of the box, sure. you will, sometimes people come back to me, you know, shortly, and sometimes it takes six months working with someone and they go, I just got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for going back to my example, articulation, I'm not going to, that's not something I'm going to coach around, right? Because there's a knowledge gap. Mm -hmm. There's a skill gap, right? So the flip side would be saying to somebody, how do you want to be perceived as a speaker? Yes. When When you imagine yourself up on that TEDx stage, what do you see? What do you hear? And then it goes from, you know, well, okay, if that's what you want, then how will you get there? 
And eventually, maybe we end up in a conversation about, well, I really want to be, I really feel I'm not clear. I really feel that I'm not forming my words clearly. I've gotten that feedback. I I think that's where I need to start. That's when I'm like, okay, here goes a hat switch <laughs> over to this other hat. Right. Yep. yep. Um, and, and so I will, and it's a tough thing because the minute somebody perceives you as ha- being a mentor slash master expert, whatever the language mm, they want. Yes. Use, yes. They start, they'll start asking you questions about other things that are within the coaching realm and they want you to give them the answer because you had an answer to something else. Mm. So yeah, and that's why you have to say, this is my coaching hat. This is mm-hmm. my, you know, this is my, this is my advocacy hat and make it clear. Mm-hmm. I can suggest yep. as an advocate, you know, if I think talking to a patient that they have not, there's a lot of very good doctors out there. I never, absolutely. I, I, I feel there's more good doctors than bad. Sorry guys, but I really do. But sometimes <laughs> it's not, well, you know how we always give a hard time and all that. I just, right. I can't, maybe it's because I'm a doctor's daughter. I don't know. Um, but my father's a surgeon was, was very good at what he did and was a great listener. I worked in his office through high school on the weekends and I'm very glad I got that opportunity to see who he showed up as. And um, it gave me an appreciation. Talk about mentoring. Um, Gave me an appreciation. When he passed away, there were over a hundred residents and fellows that were there and his peers at his funeral, at his memorial service, because of what he showed up as. He Mm -hmm. was there to help others rise up and become a good doctor, become a good listener. And I, I'm grateful for being able to see how he was with people, I, you know, and it's that's, a gift for sure. It is, it is a gift. gift. It is a gift. Yeah. So when I hear a patient who's, who's, who's has a chronic condition um, and I don't feel that they're getting what they need, they may, I'm going to go back to MS. It's the easiest one. Um, sure. You know, a young woman in her 20s was actually in my master's program for uh, patient advocacy, and she had recently been diagnosed. I'm also going to bring up something else right now because notice, and I want you to understand this, there is no right way, there is no perfect way to share your illness. I choose to share my MS with people and my barrier. I choose to share my journey. D, and many of the people I work with do not feel the need to share their diagnosis. And it's fine. Don't think that there is one way to be and another way to be. Some people, the way they're built, they will share it. Some people, they just don't feel it's necessary to do what they do and show up the way they show up and share every piece of their lives. And I respect that. I really do. So when this young woman said to me, was she was in one of my classes, we were in like the history of healthcare. And listening to her, I sort of got this feeling, I think she has MS. Just the way she was asking questions and blah, blah, blah. And the dean told me, would I be interested? Would it be okay if she introduced someone who also had just been diagnosed with MS to me? Because I had been diagnosed longer than she had. And I said, sure, if she's interested. And when we talk, she says, I, I do not share this. I'm in marketing. I do not share this information. You have to respect that everybody functions differently. Um, it doesn't make them hiding anything. It's just a choice, 
Okay. Some of us, I'm very forward, um, good or bad with that choice. Um, sometimes it's not a good thing. Sometimes for me, it is a good thing, but you have to respect people to make the choice on what they want to share. That is very, very personal. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. No, I mean, even with bariatrics, even bari, even with people losing, Oh yeah. When they are asked by people, you know, why, like, how are you losing? What are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. You don't want to go there. If I can help you learn how to defer people, how to flip that, I am up for it because absolutely. Right. Right. You know, yeah, there's no, I know somebody that's in a cat, right. I (laughs) I don't mean to be, but it's a good one. You know, well, there's no way, no one way to tell, tell a story, right. No one way to tell a story, right. No, no, but I do too. I have dogs. So there you go. I know. Um, So no, I know to your point, I know somebody that's going through bariatrics right now who um, I know they don't realize I know, right. I've just pieced it together. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to say, so, Hey, like, uh, you know, if they want to say something, they can say something. If they don't want to say something, they don't have to say something because the choice that they've made with their own body is none of my business. Nope. Uh, If they, if they want to, if they want me involved in some respect, I'm there for it. Okay. But I'm certainly not going to insert myself in to a situation where, you know, that's just not where that person is. I just, I, from my own perspective, and most people that get to know me know that I have a whole hodgepodge of colorful this, that, and the other thing going on. Um, I just want people to feel comfortable enough around me that if they want to talk about something to whatever depth they want to talk about it to, yes. um, then I'm a safe place to do that. Yes. Yes. And that's but, what you want. Uh, Good word. You want to be a safe place. You want to be able to have people rest and feel safe in that space. That's and, right. Right. And, and, you know, these are very personal things. Your diagnosis, it's also in the world. People look at uh-huh. and disability. And even though here in America, you know, we have the ADA, the American Disability Act, that really is very new since the 80s as a as a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now here in the US, and you'll appreciate this, here in the US, um, we get, you know, if you're going up for a job for an application, there's this whole section on, you know, if you have a disability, we're looking to make sure that we balance it and hire people of different things. Do you know what the you know what the neurologists say? Don't you dare. Do not. Do not share it. It is not mm-hmm. part of this. Now, no. if, right? It is not. It HR does like, not you, need to know this. Well, it's no different than the, are you planning to have children? Right. Very good. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. It's frankly, that has nothing to do. With the price of tea with, in China. No, and nothing at all. And so, and I've I've come across even recently a couple of questionnaires where they've asked that. And I've had people come to me and say, should I fill that out? And I'm like, oh, hell no. Hell and no. let me tell you why. Yep. Um, and if they ask you, 
here's some things you can share with them. <laughs> and there's ways to talk about things. My girlfriend, who I'm meeting today to be her patient advocate for an appointment, she said, well, what do I do, you know, if I'm on disability for a bit because of this neurological thing going on that I had encephalitis as a kid and I'm losing balance and blah, blah, blah. So I haven't been able to work this past year. What if I go on disability and then I go for a job interview after we've like figured out what to do with this condition and take care of it? And I said, you don't have to share a thing. If they ask you why there's a hole in your resume, this is the answer. Well, I had a medical condition and we had I had to step back a bit and take care of it, but I'm great now. So that's why I'm looking to move on and, and do the next great thing. And I'm looking to work with your company. Nothing more, nothing less. No. You do not have to give information. Again, nope. I choose to share my MS. I don't care. If you saw me, which you guys haven't seen me yet, you'll see me sometime on, on YouTube, but I don't look like I have MS. What MS no. looks like, it, you know, it's an invisible illness. Dee would say she has an invisible illness. You can't see what our a chronic condition is. You just can't see it. So, oh, no, I don't need to share that. I don't. No, 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 not if you don't want to. Nope. And, you know, I've, I've been yelled at parking in a in a disabled placard spot and I, I would get out and, and then I would have people yell. Uh, yell at me even when my children were little mm. about how I how I don't look disabled. How dare I take a spot? And I was so flustered at the time and so just taken aback that somebody mm. would go there and, that and, I, and attack you. Yeah, and like publicly um, that I hadn't formulated my now go to response, which, which is, is oh <laughs> oh, so what does a disabled person look like? Ooh, nice, 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 nice. <laughs> I love it. It shuts them up mostly pretty quickly because they don't, they're not looking to think and have a conversation. They're coming from a totally different place in their lives and they got crap going on. You don't even know about, which isn't to excuse the bad behavior because that's bad behavior. But, um, but at the same time, it doesn't need to become part of my defining story and make me ashamed and, and those sorts of things. So you know, these are the things you learn as you yeah. go along, right? Yeah. And as a coach, I say it took me a number of years, like at least a decade to figure out what to say when I was with my service dog and got on the bus or on mm. the subway or on a train. Um, and because I would get upset and I thought, no, this isn't correct. I shouldn't be getting upset and upsetting my no. system because stress is never good for any chronic condition, no. especially autoimmune conditions. And I I came up with an answer. So when, cause New Yorkers are very nosy, so, <laughs> but they will go right after you. So I would, you Oh, know, I know they will. <laughs> oh, gosh. So I would get on the button, normally the bus. And I, because of balance issues, I always sat at the front of the bus in those seats sure. and had sure. the dog underneath the seat. And people would say, well, I don't see anything wrong with you. And I came up with an answer. So, and if you who want to grab onto this, you may, I would say, do I know you? And I would literally have that surprised look on my face, like, do, do I know you? And they would get disarmed because, no, of course, we don't know each other. You're just, I've never met you in my life. And I would say, so we've never met before, correct? So you would have no idea what my disability is, would you? So if you want to ask me, and here in America, I don't know how it is in Canada, but 
this is the one thing per the ADA, the American Disability Act, they can ask someone with a disability. You may ask me what my service dog performs as help to me with my disability, and I'd be more than happy to answer you. But if you want to continue this conversation in the manner you are, you need to step away from me. And that's what I say now, because I don't want to get upset. And there are people that will say, oh, what does he? And I will explain balance and vertigo to them and my issues with that and drop foot. And that's what I explain. And it's easier for me. It doesn't cost me as much energy. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I absolutely know what you mean. So I had to, yeah, I had to create that as an answer. So for those of you out there, listen to what we're talking about. And remember, even though this is a little off base for um, talking about chronic conditions, we're talking about mentoring and we're talking about um, coaching people and advocating for people, which all fall under helping those of us who have to learn, explain, and become better advocates and learn more about ourselves. And I think having D here to talk about it with me was an opportunity that I didn't want to miss. So D, I thank you from the bottom of my heart, my dear, coming on and talking to me about the differences and the, and the, um, the uh, likeness of those two terminologies and um we'll visit again but always it's my pleasure and thank you no i thank Thank you you. i really do it's 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 so nice to have people i can connect with who really make a difference and you are definitely one who i consider affects a great deal in a very positive note well thank you well right back at you babe um we'll talk soon have a good day you as well bye bye That was wonderful to be able to speak with Dee slash Donna about mentoring and coaching. I think both of them are very valuable. Many times you'll meet a coach who is a mentor. Many times you'll meet a mentor who is a coach. We like giving back. We believe it takes a village. We believe that being a leader is really, really important, especially in health and wellness coaching, especially in healthcare. I hope that you got some information that could help you with your chronic condition. Making choices to have a health and wellness coach is important. You are in control. You are the coachee with your coach. You're in a partnership to see how to make your quality of life the best it can be. And I think that that's really important. There were years that I was a mentor a mentor for an organization called Dress for Success New York. Now it's Dress for Success Worldwide, where we help women who were incarcerated or had moved to the United States and perhaps were displaced or couldn't be in the field that they were in, like a doctor or a lawyer and had to go back to school in order to practice. And it was hard. It was hard for these women. One of my favorite things was I was working in a magazine and I could get other companies to give, to give back by giving clothes and shoes and gift certificates from places like Target and Macy's and so forth. And it helped these women get a leg up, get back into the workforce. And that was really important to me. Now, I know that's not about a chronic condition, 
But what's important about that is finding your way to give back. Even with a chronic condition, you can be a mentor. You may be ahead of somebody who has MS. You may be ahead of somebody who has diabetes. In fact, you could be a nutritionist who can help a group of people struggling with something like diabetes or, or obesity and give back as a mentor. Coaching, however, is something that we all feel very strongly about. Health and wellness coaching helps us give back. It helps us, many of us, who have had a chronic condition or have a chronic condition or conditions, give back. It helps us reflect. It helps us mirror what happened to us and be able to share with someone thoughts, thoughts that can provoke bigger changes, behavior changes, and also really open up the conversation. And that's really important as well. I've been using that word a great deal. Really important. Your health is really important. Important to the coach and important as a mentor, especially if you take on that role. It's something that says a great deal about who you are. Just because you have a chronic condition, you are a valuable person. You have ways to give back. So consider things. Consider getting involved with organizations and foundations that help chronic conditions, that help you give back, and also help the foundation or the organization move forward. You never know. You could be near Memorial Sloan Kettering, MSKCC. You could be near an organization in Cleveland, like the Cleveland Clinic, or you could be involved in places that are hospitals and organizations in your neighborhood, in your state, in your city, in your country. There are organizations all over the world that need people to give back, to be a mentor, to be a coach. So when you hear about coaching, not only as a coach, but as a coachee, know that there are two different opportunities there. You can be a coach. I am a coachee when I work with my own coach. It's important for me to keep growing, for me to learn about how to help other people. And that's what I intend to do. I love being organized and being with an organization called Institute of Coaching. It's a Harvard affiliate, but their motion, their movement is about being able to teach, to coach, to mentor, and to lead other coaches in all different areas, whether it's personal coaching, whether it's health and wellness coaching, leadership, executive coaching, business coaching. There are so many areas that you could give back, but health and wellness coaching was the most important to me. It was important to Dee, even in Canada. She had things that she could help people with, and that's why we mentor. That's why we coach. Being a mentor or a mentee is an important role from both sides of the fence, just like being a coach and being a coachee is important because on both sides of the fence, we get something. We get something giving and we get something by being the receiver. It really is something that opens up the conversation. I could also remember mentoring for um, the MS Society here in New York. Um, I had wanted to be able to give back in some way. 
And I was able to do that by being a mentor in the role of putting together a team to do the MS walk years and years ago. I'm going to do that again this year. I'm going to walk for MS and ask for people to donate. I'm going to put a team together and be a mentor, be a coach, be an example of how to move forward. You know, I love the opportunity to meld those two things together. I think that being a mentor, me and a coach are important roles in life. I've had a number of careers, and this one as a health and wellness coach and as a patient advocate, I think gives me back so much that I'm grateful that I've had this opportunity to give back to others. I now look at where I could help again in regards to organizations. You know, it could be as simple as doing a holla bake where my girlfriend's son passed away when he was 21. And well, when he was 20 going on 21. And she organized with the Cancer for Children's Foundation, so the Children's Cancer Foundation, to do a group that is in honor of her son. A bunch of women who were Jewish got together and made challah um, last month. We were doing it because it was something that we could do together, that we could give back. You had to give $18, which in um, Judaism is an amount that makes sense for us um, to give back. We normally do things in eights. Don't ask me why. I can't give you that explanation. But it was important for us to do that so that money went towards the Children's Cancer Foundation. It was in evenings of laughter and tears, but it was going towards a illness that kills many children as they grow. Um, it's called NF1, and it was important to hear about it and to understand what had happened so that others who could be affected as a parent could help their children. I've seen my brother do it with an organization that helped people who had neurological conditions when someone he was very close to in the real estate business in Chicago um, had put together a foundation. And every year he works to make sure that real estate uh, undergrads who are coming into the field can work with mentors to make a difference in regards to helping the foundation and moving it forward in real estate. As you can hear, there's lots of ways to do things. You know, being a health and wellness coach gives me an opportunity to work with people in different areas. Sometimes I'm the expert. Sometimes I'm in the audience. But many times I've worn both hats because I've had different current conditions. And I want you to think about ways that you can give back. Giving back, even with a chronic condition, means moving forward. It means opening up the possibilities of making a difference. Mentoring is the same. Perhaps someone has been newly diagnosed with the same diagnosis that you have, or you're a caregiver and you can help others with talking about being in that role of being a caregiver or spouse or a sibling or a friend. And you work on a organization or a charity event that they have. Those are ways to help people who are struggling with chronic conditions. Being a health and wellness coach has meant a lot to me as well 
because I have family members who struggle with things. Diabetes, myasthenia gravis, and I want to be in touch with people who are going through that. I want to be able to work with people with MS, people who have struggled with obesity, people who struggle with depression, and those are ways to give back. You know, this has been a wonderful ride for me, being a host of a radio show, Wellness Learning Curves 2.0, where I can speak to people who have chronic conditions, who have been caregivers, and help others see the possibilities and the opportunities that they may have. You've heard a lot of the talks that I've given, and I'm looking forward to talking about more things and chronic conditions and ways we can break through and find changes of behavior and move forward so that you have the best life possible. It's a long road. Living with a chronic condition, for me, 22 years, for others, 15, for others, two or three years, and for those that are newly diagnosed, having a health and wellness coach helps them find ways to use the tools and the strategies to make their life the best and the biggest it can be. Yes, it's very, very scary and very upsetting and very depressing. And anxiety comes to mind when you're given a diagnosis. But as time goes on, you learn what you can do. I just interviewed two people who are involved with the IMSMP, the International Multiple Sclerosis uh, Practice, and also the Tisch Center for MS, which is also part of the IMSMP. I talked to a nutritionist. I talked to a naturopath. I've talked to a social worker. So if there's things and people that you want to know, please go on to MJW, that is MJ Wellness Navigator, mjwellnessnavigator.com, and leave me some of your thoughts on what you'd like to hear. I think it's important to always be provoked, to be reminded that there are people out there that are struggling with chronic conditions that others may not know about and to hone out the people that can be an expert for our audience, to teach people about what to do, where to go, and how to make a difference, and how to take action. Because you need strategies and tools. I hope you get that from here. Using a SMART goal, which is important, which is an opportunity to set goals for yourself in a timely manner, and take action. And really, it does make a difference to take that action because you are in control of your life and your body. That's something I always have felt very strongly about. This is your body on a journey. You're living within that body. Experts and doctors and all the people in integrative practices can help you, but they cannot walk that walk for you. You being strong and you being ready to succeed in whatever you can do to make a difference with that chronic illness is important. Learning nutrition as I have, I've made differences with eating darker greens and eating less sugar and eating red meat. You heard from people, the woman with celiac who went back to school to learn how to be a chef and is now having her company that is helping people, Harmony Baking Flowers, that's for people with celiac and people with gluten intolerances and other intolerances. 
she's made it her goal to find a way to coach and mentor through her baking flowers. That's what she's doing with this. So if you've got great ideas and you have a way to make a difference, go ahead, get out there and make that difference and have a great day.